0: The Old Testament reading for this, the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany, comes from the prophet Isaiah, the 40th chapter. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their hosts by number, calling them all by name, By the greatest of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary, his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And this is the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord, all nations. For great is his steadfast love toward us and the faithfulness of the Lord in your Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring the, offering to his the epistle reading comes from Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, the ninth chapter. If I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward, but not of my own will. I am still entrusted with the stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we, an imperishable so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And this is the word of the Lord. Be to God. The Holy Gospel, which serves as the text for our sermon this morning, comes according to St. Mark, the first chapter. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases, and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak, because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. He said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And this is the Gospel of our Lord. Lord Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father. And from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The other day, as I am wont to do from time to time, I did some straightening up and cleaning at our house. And as I did, I accidentally caused a near calamity because of this. I saw this scrap of paper on the floor, and I scooped it up and put it into the Walmart bag that I was using that was bound for the garbage can. And as I did, I heard shrieks and wails and the deepest of laments. Well, it wasn't quite that bad. But I heard vociferous protests from Laura and Paul asking how I could possibly consider throwing this away. Very easily, I said, it's just a scrap of paper. It's trash that's lying on the floor. But little did I know, this wasn't trash. It was art. It was something that they had made. It was something special that they had put work into. It was a precious gift for mom. I hadn't looked closely enough. I didn't care. I just assumed that since I didn't see any value in it, there was no value or beauty to be seen. And my assumptions about this little piece of paper were very much like the world's assumptions about you. The world sees no value in you Personally, you are simply a number. You are a useful idiot. You are a temporary cog in a random machine. Evolution says that you're some cosmic accident who exists for a brief time and then you die while time marches on. Our sinful world tries to convince us that there is no meaning to life, that we just wander around aimlessly, try to be nice to people for some reason, try to leave a legacy. And then we cease to exist. Despite all our society's individual affirmations and self-esteem programs and claims of loving everyone, you mean literally nothing to the world. Outside of the few people who are very close to you, your death would not go noticed. And the world would march on without blinking an eye. To the world, you are expendable. This is the message of abortion. You're alive only because someone decided to go through the trouble of carrying you to term. And if you don't want to go through that trouble, it's not a life. It's just a clump of cells. Your life isn't anything special. This is the message of euthanasia and assisted suicide. Make sure that you're not a burden on your family. Take yourself out of the picture before you use up that inheritance. The cash matters more than you. This is the message of the devil. You are nothing. Nobody cares, and you don't matter one bit. Do whatever you want, to whoever you want, with whoever you want, because this is all you get, so you better make the most of it. Is it any wonder, then, that we can read a headline where thousands of people have died and then move right along to the comics without batting an eye? Is it any wonder that television and movies have turned murder, death, and torture from tragedy to comedy and high profit? Is it any wonder that we have children killing each other or their parents? Life is... Has become meaningless. The mask has fallen off. We have been taught that individual people are disposable and replaceable, that nobody has any inherent value because we're all just a random lumps of cells. Our secular, hedonistic, Marxist society doesn't need you, doesn't care about you, and it won't miss you when you're gone. To the world, you are a scrap. You are a useless hunk of flesh that is pretty much just in the way, and you're expendable. When you cease to be useful, you will be discarded, forgotten, and replaced by another hunk of flesh. To this world, you are utterly meaningless, useless, and forgettable. You are this little scrap of paper that can be tossed out without a second thought. But not to God. Because God actually looks closer. God sees the beauty, the art, the work that He has put into you. God loves you. God cares for you individually, personally, deeply. So often we think of God on the macro scale. We know he created all things. We know that he rules with unquestionable authority. We know that he will bring this world to an end and cast out all sin. But what we too often forget is that God is not just the God of all things. He is your God, your Savior, your loving Heavenly Father. He cares about you individually personally, deeply. He knows your hurts and sorrows. He knows your temptations and fears. He knows you by name. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He holds you loving and carefully in the palm of his hands. When you pray, you are not casting out a message in a bottle into this vast ocean and hoping that God just happens to pick yours to open and respond to. When you speak to God, he hears you as if you are the only person in the universe, and he gives you his full, unwavering attention. He is not bound by space and time like we are, so we don't have to worry that we are the 10,000th customer in line, but our prayer is important to God, and he will get to us as soon as possible. All things are in God's hands, but you, personally, Are held in the almighty hands of God who loves you more than you could possibly know. God has put a lot of time and effort into your life, creating you, nurturing you, caring for you, speaking to you. You are not something to be thrown away and replaced. To God, the creator of all things, you are a priceless, irreplaceable work of art. You are of more value than anything else in this world, not because of your beauty, but because he made you and because he loves you. How do you put value on a human life? An artist once said, worth is not determined by some innate quality, but by the length for which the owner would go to possess them. What would the world give to have you, to protect you, to keep you, Nothing at all. Because to the world, you are nothing. You mean nothing. You have no value. But what would God give to make you his own? Well, this isn't a theoretical question anymore. Because we know the price that God has already paid. God loves you, cares for you enough, that he who is eternal, without beginning or end, who is immortal, is willing to die for you, And that's kind of funny, isn't it? Because we love the world. We think so highly of the world. We want the world's attention and care. And we despise God. We ignore his word. We spit in his face. Yet who is it that loves us? It is God. He loves us enough to die in our place. To set you free from all of your sin. While you were still dead in your sin, while you were still enslaved and in love with the world, Jesus Christ came to suffer and die for you. And God is not looking for something in return like the world does. Because, let's face it, we have nothing to give. He is God. He has all things. We have nothing that does not come from His hand in the first place. And yet, out of love, God looked at you personally, Individually, and saw something of great value, saw a priceless treasure, a pearl of great price, something worth dying for so that he could have. Jesus Christ, God himself in the flesh, gave up his life, gave up everything to purchase you from sin, death, and the devil to give you eternal life with him in paradise so that you could be with him forever. Would the world give up everything for you? Would the sinful world give up anything for you? Of course not. But God, the creator of all things, suffered unimaginable agony. He sacrificed his everlasting life to excruciating death to purchase you from the fires of hell. To snatch you out of the hands of the devil. To say, this one is mine and mine alone. Yes, he suffered for the sins of the whole world. But it was you, individually, that he had loved enough to do so. And again, sometimes we fall into the macro scale even with this. We think, yes, I know that God loves me, and he died for me, and he forgives me. And because of that, I will someday get to go to heaven after I die. But you see, God's love is more than just a someday, sometime reward. God cares not just for your eternal life, but for your physical life as well. Our Lord gives us more than just hope for the future. He gives us joy in the present Our needs are fulfilled, but it's so much more than that. God does not just give us a mouthful of gruel so that we can survive and trudge on for another day. We have bountiful blessings. I've always talked about that phrase, count your blessings. And as a kid, I had a sticker of Snoopy saying it. And I thought it was the funniest thing because I didn't get that it wasn't supposed to be a joke. And then when I understand what it was actually saying... I still laugh, because in a way, it is a joke. Just try to count your blessings. How high can you count you're not even close to it yet? Even in the midst of recession, of economic uncertainty, of turmoil and war and strife, we have so many blessings that we cannot possibly count them. I read a report recently that said the average person in a poor country Now eats about 2,700 calories a day. And if you look at that bottle of Coke that you drink later this afternoon, you'll notice that the recommended daily allowance is based on a 2,000 calorie diet. That same report pointed out that while middle class people have, that middle class people in America have more access to food and eat a greater variety of foods than did King Louis XVI. We literally eat better than kings and we complain about it. Transportation, refrigeration, preserving processes, all of these things give us a bounty of goods that even kings of the past would have dreamt about. We don't think twice about going to the store, buying bananas, ground beef, and a gallon of pasteurized homogenized milk, even though these things were unheard of even a century or two ago. Yes, there's still starvation in areas. Yes, there is genuine poverty and people who struggle to make ends meet. But it's nothing like what it could be. And it's nothing like what it was even a hundred years ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we've got it good. We've got it great. All because we have a loving God who graciously gives and gives and gives, even as the world attempts to push him out of the picture. God cares for every aspect of our lives. As Luther writes in the small catechism, he richly and daily provides me with all that I need to support this body and life. As Jesus says, consider the ravens and the lilies, how God provides for them. Are you not of more worth absolutely you are in the eyes of God. We read about the miraculous hearings, or the healings, and we attempted to think, ah, too bad that's not us. Too bad Jesus isn't here to give me healing. Well, you realize that the people in the gospel lesson would absolutely look at modern medicine as a miraculous gift from God. We look at people who have had so many limbs replace, so many joints replaced that their x-rays look like something out of the Terminator movies. We have so many medicines that we take on a daily basis. Life expectancy is so much better than it was. Things that would have meant absolute death or being crippled for your entire life are routine drive-through medicine anymore. Do you think mankind has acquired this knowledge on its own or by accident? This is a gift from God. The miraculous healings that we get through the means of modern medicine, that is a gift from God. God's love is so deep that he cares for every aspect of your life. It's so deep that he gave his very life to save you from the eternal death of sin. He is not about to abandon you here on earth. No, our lives are not going to be perfect even if we have a strong faith in Jesus Christ. We are going to get sick. We are going to suffer. We are going to go through some very difficult times. We live in a sinful, broken world, and we ourselves are sinful and broken. And as such, sin is going to have an effect on our lives. But our loving Heavenly Father, He has a much greater effect. The trials that we face, they all happen for a reason. Maybe we'll learn that reason someday, but even when we don't, we trust that God knows what he's doing. His love for us is boundless, and we know that he cares for us, both body and soul. And his love, it's for the entire world. As Christians, we don't have the corner on God's love. It's not that God loves us because we believe in him and everyone else he hates. No. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus Christ died to pay the penalty of sin once for all, and he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. Yes, it is by faith alone that we have salvation, but the love of God is for all people. His love and his concern is for all of his children, no matter how wayward they may be. For the unborn... Who the world would discard for the sake of convenience, for the elderly, who the world would cut short for financial gain, for the wicked and the sinful, who the world would say are unforgivable, irredeemable, and no good to anyone at all. As Christians, it is our duty and our privilege to proclaim that love that He has given to all, to enlighten a world trapped in darkness, to bring the love of the Lord into the lives of those who may not have heard it. We speak out for the sanctity of human life, protecting life from conception to its natural end. We proclaim God's love and forgiveness, especially to those who are racked by guilt and anguish. We live out the love and the faith that God has given to us so that even one person might be brought to faith by the saving power of the Holy Spirit. The world is not a friendly place, and it is not a place that values life at all. Our sinful world sees life as cheap, expendable, disposable. But God sees so much more. God sees so much value in all human life. He sees enough that he was willing to die to extend that life forever as it was meant to be. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Our Heavenly Father loves us beyond measure. He loves the entire world. He loves you. He has given his life to forgive us of our sin, to open the gates of heaven to all who believe. The world doesn't agree, but is that any surprise? God cares for you, personally, individually. He has given you eternal life. He guards and protects your physical life and he treasures the life that you are. You are his beloved creation, his beloved child, his most precious and prized possession. And by his cross alone, by his empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of every one of your sins and eternal life in heaven is yours. To God alone be all glory,